Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about red herrings in your RPGs. And those are not the fish, by the way. Well, I think red herrings are fish, though. Herrings so, are fish, yes. So why a red herring is a false lead or something, I have no idea. But that's what we're talking about today. It's something that I have, I have used and something that I have seen done or that have been written in in uh, RPG modules where it says this is a red herring and it has it in box text. And it's usually a little blurb, not very big. Maybe. Was this a recent module or oh, an no, old module? So old. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about modules that's like 20, 20 years old. Okay, just checking. Though I don't know. I, you're right. I don't know if, if it's still something that's used much today. Well, I looked it up on the inner, inner tubes. tubes. Yes. And it is. It is what? Used. Well, you know, to the, varying degrees of success. And see, that's what I was saying is that I've had various uh, levels of success using red herrings. I remember in this one game, I was running Dres my moderate Dresden files and there was something that happened. I, I honestly, I don't remember, but I do remember <laughs> what the player said, which I thought was funny and kind of disheartening at the same time because they were discussing what lead to follow. And this one guy just goes, I think this is a red, this, this one, the, current topic they had were talking about i could think this is a red herring and i'm like whoa was it that obvious right so and it Why, was, was it was it like totally different like i guess it was right go down this street go down <laughs> that street no no so what what happens is i'm not spoiling the adventure at all but it, I, this happens in monterey california and it's in cannery row the game takes place and they were investigating uh, investigating uh, deaths uh, at the Cannery Row uh, on Cannery Row, and then there was a, they were at a parking garage. So this was the scene. There was a parking garage, and these two guys were fighting, like having a, a fisticuffs fighting. And then uh, the characters show up, and then uh, one of them jumps off the roof, as of a three-story. Uh, Parking garage. Parking garage, even though I believe it's only really two stories, maybe. But anyway, so he it jumps. It is three stories. Oh, it is three stories. So he jumps off the roof, and they both look down, and he runs, and he lands on the ground and runs. And, all, and all the investigators, i.e. the players, are like, what the hell just happened? When they get back to their, they, their, their headquarters was a coffee house. And so they, when they get back to the coffee house, they're talking about things, and they're like, should we, should we follow that lead? Should we keep questioning the person that they found? So the person they found who was fighting, he was all cut up and you know, bleeding. But he didn't want people to call the police. And he was really, didn't want to say anything. He just took off, right? He just, like, I don't want to talk. But they figured out who he was because he, like, he dropped his wallet or something. So they're like, so they had a lead. But they go, well, I don't know. So that one guy goes, I think it's a red herring. I think we shouldn't even bother with that. And so I'm like, <laughs> which, you know, in, in a certain sense, it, it would have opened up this the more weirder at weirder aspects of the whole moderate dresden uh world world but it was a con game so i can see how they were like you know we have a limited number of real hours to, to solve this case and that guy was like i don't think this has anything to do with what, what, what the main story is right and that's when i started questioning whether i should use red herrings or and false leads and whether they should be used or at all because 
it kind of drove a, I'm like, I was quite affected by that guy's statement that it was an out of game statement kind of, or maybe he said it as a character. I don't know. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he would just openly tell everybody else, oh, that's a red herring. I don't think we should follow that lead. That is interesting. So in my research on yeah. red herrings in, in role-playing games, this one guy says, you probably really shouldn't use red herrings because your players are going to need you to put the clue that you want them to get in three separate places because that's how bad they are at figuring out where they're supposed to go. <laughs> Other people, of course, disagreed with him and said, you shouldn't call your players stupid. Stupid. But um, I can I can see how difficult it is in a mystery to, like whether it's Monterey Dresden or any other mystery game, especially some of the ones that we've recently done, it is kind of difficult as a player to figure out which clue or where the clue wants to take you, which one is the clue as you're, as you're doing the investigation. And maybe it's because I'm playing with these guys who have these vivid imaginations and look at the clues and go, well, this could mean, and they list off 20 things, right? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a problem. And that's what this one guy is talking about. He says, it's, the thing is that people are not, it's not, each person isn't going to have a hard time following your clues. It's when they all get together, then they start talking to each other and they talk to each other, talk each other into, oh, well, maybe that's not the way we should go. Maybe we should go this way. And as they're talking, they totally distort the clues that have been given to them. Right, right. That has happened in many games where somebody will have the right clue, they have the right idea that I'm thinking is going to solve the mystery. And they're convinced Otherwise, when they get together and start hashing out the the clues that they found or, or the information, I'm not going to say clues, once they start discussing the information and what that information means. Right. So if you're doing a murder mystery or someone's been killed and you're trying to figure it out, <laughs> you know, th that kind of thing. But I compare it to analysis paralysis Whoa. in D&D &D fighting, right? Where uh -huh. when... You come upon a scene and the GM says, roll initiative. And okay. all of the guys, everybody rolls initiative. They get really excited. And then they think about what's going to happen. Okay, we're going to go into this battle. And I've been sitting at tables with, the, with these same guys for years. Some of them are my <laughs> sons and his friends and parents. And they tend to go way over the top about what could happen, right? They come up with these elaborate plans that they want to do and stuff. And it makes it harder when the game, when the actual action starts, because then they're like, oh, that, I wasn't expecting that. And then, you know, they get thrown off, right? Well, that's, that's going to happen all, at any time. So I think you're right. I think that kind of thinking out everything is probably, I've let players, and I've let you guys, as the GM for you guys, I've let you guys do that all the time where you guys have... I give you guys almost all the time you need to plan everything when I should really cut it short. I said, you know what? He, the big bad guy is coming. He, you don't have time to iron out every little detail. And the thing with best laid plans of war, right, or tactics or whatever, is it goes out the window as soon as the first die is cast, in so, in so, right. so to speak. As soon as the first arrow is, is thrown. Yes. Is, shot. Uh, shot, yes. And so let loose. And that's what happens. That That's what happens. Everything does not go according to plan. Sometimes you start missing your attacks and 
your character, that character, that plan to be able to be at a certain spot or be able to do certain things is not going to be able to do certain things. So, and which is a lot more close is a lot closer to real life. Oh well, yeah, that's true. But it, it happens in games. Though. Right. It happens in games when when they try to plan out too many things. This what is it, like this domino effect of, in their in their way of thinking. I'm looking at it is that they think this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and so all the ducks in a row is going to fall. But that's not the way things work in real life and in games, that, right? Well, and just sitting at those tables, listening to these people plot out these things, <laughs> I can see, people. I can see you sitting there with a smug smile on your face, going, <laughs> "My monsters are going to come and get you, no matter what." So, taking that idea of this analysis paralysis before battle right. into clues, or you're interviewing a suspect, or you're interviewing a witness, right? Right, and you're trying to figure out which way you're supposed to go next yeah if they if you allow the players to discuss it amongst themselves then they may or may not go with the clue might be right there which way you're supposed to go but they all decide to turn left because george said that i think that that this is what it means and everybody goes okay i got it well yeah you're right some people have uh what is it a what the, they're very good at presenting their their it's charisma their view of yeah. the situation, whether it's charisma or a way of laying out the argument, saying, "Oh, see, this makes the most sense." Yeah, and then having that more convincing player convince other players of their idea, and it's per- perfectly valid. It happens all the time. It happens at work in real life when people have these you know they're able to articulate their position better than people who have the better idea but may not be able to talk about or be able to present their idea in the same way this guy who this person I'm not impressed, this person will be able to convince the rest of the group oh this is the best way to do it and it may not be and that's what happens in games a lot it's like the person with the best way of articulating their position and being able to say well see point a point b you know, uh, the answer is obviously d and the person who's saying c go well hold on wait uh, wait and then they don't listen to them and then they go on to this uh, uh, you know, on a side quest side quest a red herring a red herring but sometimes it's just uh you don't even mean to be have red herring. you know some players sometimes latch on to things that you don't expect weren't expecting so that can happen at any point. And then red herrings is even worse because it's kind of something you actually give them, the players. And then if they latch onto it and sometimes they're like a pit bull, they won't freaking let go of it. Like, this is the guy has to mean something. And you're like, no, you guys figured it out. They figured it out, but they think it has a deeper meaning, right? There's more to the story. This is just a cover story. They just barely scrape off the outer layer. And then they go, there's more to this, what's going on. So when I was doing research on this, yeah. I came across a couple different articles, and one of them was talking about how red herrings are good because it makes the game more exciting. It gives the players more options. It opens up the world. Yeah. And and when you don't want the players, and then there was this other article, this guy asking a question. He says, I have this bad guy in town, right? He's the, the sheriff. Okay. And you know that he's... Um, paying off this brigand, this band of brigands, once a month. And he goes, I don't want it to be such a straightforward game that my players are just going to go, oh, well, he's the bad guy, let's go kill him, or let's go arrest him, or whatever, right? Take care of the situation. He goes, I want to give them more things to do and 
maybe throw him off the track. So he was asking for people's ideas of red right. herrings. And so these these guys, of course, these GMs come up with all these different ideas, right? You know, you could say, well, maybe he's being blackmailed. Maybe you give right. him a clue that there's more to, that the, there's story. More to the story. Right. And he was like, I love these ideas. I don't want to go too deep into too many red herrings. But the idea that he's being blackmailed by somebody, then maybe it, it makes the players have different choices. Are you just going to kill him because he's doing this? Or are you going to f- try to help him so he's not going to be blackmailed anymore? And it and it brings up other choices, right? Right. A classic, uh, it's probably been used in a movie because it sounds so familiar. Is like the, his son is in the you know at the at the ranch this rancher who's a real bad guy's uh ranch and he's really basically held hostage and the sheriff gives some uh, valid- validity to the cattle rancher's actions in rent. and that's why he's able to you know run roughshod over the sheriff and the sheriff allows the, the, his men this rancher's men to do whatever have too they want. good of a time at the old at the town. So you're right. And then the the idea is that the players are now they have a moral quandary, right? They could take care of the sheriff, but is that really going to solve the problem? Probably not. And or they they could try to help the sheriff. Like, well, we will get your son back, and then you know you with with the sheriff can go tackle the, the cattle ranchers or whatever. So I think yeah, I think you're right. So those type of things can. But are those red herrings? I think they're more like actual side quests in a certain sense or just more information to the story. Where a red herring, I think, is like something that leads to nowhere, which I think, depending on the game, so to me, red herrings can be used in the game and can be used well. But I think in certain cases, a red herring, like in a, it all depends on the, on the type of game you're playing. In an investigative game, Red herrings can really mess up the game where a red herring in a fantasy uh, RPG adventurous epic game, they're more like side quests or more something that preoccupy the characters and maybe take a little time off from the main quest that they're doing and give them, like you said, give it a little bit of variety. Give the idea that they're just not on this, you know, uh, linear track to track down the bad guy from A to B to C to D. There's something else that's going on. There's other things that can happen and other events that could make the player's game world seem more alive or more real in a certain right. sense. There's a, not a downside, but a, a challenging side to putting out red herrings, yes. right? Because then what if your players decide, oh, I want to go after that. Yeah. And you're going, oh, crap. I have nothing planned for that. It's like the NPC they decide to talk to that you right. haven't you haven't fleshed out, right? Exactly, and that does happen. You, I have been in games where, where the red herring kind of like takes center stage, and you know I have let's say ten pages of notes about where the game is supposed to go, and zero, and just a paragraph about this red herring, and you just got to make stuff up, right? You got to go with the flow, <laughs> or really end the red herring. They can solve the situation, and then they can get back to, oh, okay, so this isn't really part of the main. And, it, and the characters and the players realize that this is just something that led to nowhere, or maybe I would I don't like saying nowhere because it kind of makes it seem like it was a waste of time, and I don't think red herring should be a waste of time. I think if you're going to put them in your game, they should characters and the players should have some 
what what some sense of accomplishment, even if it didn't have to deal with the center story. Right. So I I think that's that's where red herrings are best utilized, and that's where they work best. It's not when when they just like completely waste your time, right? They they, they spend an hour running a, to a, a brick wall and a then five, <laughs> yeah, a four or five hour game, and and it doesn't lead or help in figuring out what the main storyline is. And that was another thing I was thinking is red herrings are pretty easy to deal with if you're on a long campaign, right? A long campaign, you can follow a red herring for months or, you know, I wouldn't say years, but hopefully not years, but let's say quite a few sessions where if you're playing in a con game or a one shot, red herrings can really detract or take the players off the track of, the real part of the story or the real part of the of the game well and it'll depend on who the gm is too because some gms if you go off on a red herring will just go that way <laughs> and the rest of the game will be that way right that's true. and you're trying to figure out did i take a, a left turn when i should have taken a right turn and why am i here why am i in albuquerque well, yeah <laughs> was i was this the way that we were supposed to do it or uh, the, again you're right uh, i think people who use red herrings or GMs should be very adept at being able to handle things on the fly. You know, I talk about uh, spontaneity and also uh, what is that other term? Improv, improvisation. If you're really talented in that and have that skill, I think you could throw in red herrings left and right. Like I said, the red herring that sort of has maybe gives you a little bit of information about the main story at least points you in the direction saying, okay, this guy is definitely not the person that we should be looking at. If you keep dangling that, you know, Mr. Robertson is acting a little funny. And in front of people. In front of people. And, it, and they're, they keep investigating Mr. Robertson. And Mr. Robertson is just doing his daily thing. And, and you, they spend too much time on Mr. Robertson when it doesn't help him at all. Or you don't, like, slam the door shut saying, okay, this guy either knows nothing about it. I would definitely, like, throw a little clue in Mr. Robertson's direction, right? So if they do follow Mr. Robertson, which is basically a red herring, it gives them an idea of, it helps them out in their main plot. That goes back to what the first guy said that, you know, you got to put the clues in three or four places so that people can find them, <laughs> well, right? Well, I agree. I agree with that because I'm terrible at clue games. Dispensing clues? Oh, no, playing them, right? If I if there's a clue, I'm like, hmm. Was that a clue? Yeah. <laughs> or Or figuring out what the clue means. That's another thing. So if you're in a group of people, like if you were a group of five like me, who sometimes like look at a clue and I'm like, hmm, I don't know what that means. <laughs> then maybe the, the sprinkling of more than one clue is definitely needed. But there's other players who like, probably somebody like you who reads a lot of mystery novels. Oh, I'm going to digress a little bit. So Jolene reads a ton of books, right? So she, And she reads really quick. I mean, compared to me, I'll take a month to read a book. Well, she'll take two days, maybe three days at the most, if she really likes it. And she reads a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, mysteries, mysteries, and she watches a lot of mystery shows. So the worst thing is to watch a mystery show with her because in the first five minutes of the mystery show, oh, he's the one that did it. I'm like, what? And I was like, sometimes it's incredulous. I'm like, no way. And da da da. At the end of the movie, at the end of the show, it indeed is that guy. I'm like, oh man. I try not to tell Saul. I know. So, so actually, the last time she actually said, oh, 
and I'm like, and I looked at her, and she goes, oh, "I won't tell you what I think." And, it, <laughs> and I think you were you were mistaken, right? It threw you for a loop one 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 show, and I was like, "Oh wow!" You, I go, "That was pretty cool," because the person you said was the one I think ended up dead or wasn't the one. So I think it's pretty cool. But so somebody like if you have a a, a group of Jolines in your mystery game. You don't have to sprinkle 10 clues around everywhere to get them to go the right direction. They'll pick up the clue and they'll be able to, you know, okay. And they'll be able to ascertain where, which way direction to go or the right direction to go. And you have, don't have too much of a problem. Players like me, where you're like, oh man, what does this mean? I don't even know. Could, That's be where the gumshoe system comes in good, <laughs> right? Where you get into the room, you get the clue. If you roll good, you get you get more of the clue. Right. All you have to do is have a skill and something close right. to it, right? Correct. So, yeah. So, we have talked about Gumshoe as far as mysteries. And uh, and they even had, I think that was one game that had red herrings. I think in one of the adventures that, the, that I remember reading about was the investigative game. And they'll say, this is a red herring. I mean, it was really weird. But it was like, but I, honestly, I, I wish I could remember where exactly what adventure it was. But... They're very good. I mean, they're very good. They're very popular in mystery novels, right? I think Red Herring comes from, I think it's author Conan Doyle's book, right? I think that's where the term is, comes from, maybe? I don't know. I learned it in some class in, English? in college. Oh, Yeah, I just remember, I think I remember some TV show that was like, or TV movies that dealt with... Uh, like Columbo? Holmes, uh, what's his name? Oh, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes and Arthur Conan Doyle writing, and I and I, I think I remember I remember reading as a kid. You could discuss it with Felipe because he's a, a yeah, expert on yeah, that. Yes, I remember reading a condensed when I was a kid, a condensed book of like I forget what it was, and one of the titles was The Red Herring. And I'm like, hmm. at the time I had no clue as what Red Herring meant. I go, why is he talking about a red fish? But there we go. I think. Uh, Red herrings can be really good in certain games and other games. I think it's just a good distraction for the players if it's done well and they don't spend too much time. And then, and then the, if the players don't feel like they wasted time. Well, I think that if you give them a red herring, I think the idea of having them find something at the end, whether it's a clue or something else, say they go on a side quest and they come up with a a, a, a chest full of gold or something like that. Or something that might help them. Or something that might, uh, uh, a weapon that might help them fight whatever it is or figure right. out what it is. Or That's there's exactly. a clue at the end of the red herring that sends them back towards the real road. <laughs> yes. And that's 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 pretty good. That's a pretty good idea. And I think, uh, like, uh, the, the, the biggest thing is you don't want the players to believe that they just wasted a bunch of time. Uh, yeah, because wasting two hours in a game that lasts for four hours. Right. That's definitely not good. And And nobody likes idea of wasting time i mean it's just as like whether you're playing uh a role-playing game or or i don't know or whatever else you're doing or building a project and then somebody says oh scrap that we don't need it I do, well i'll just like, <laughs> spend five hours on this thing that's okay we're going a different direction okay thanks so nobody wants though nobody wants to feel that and i and i truly believe that when you use a red herring it shouldn't be a complete waste of time people should feel that even if they were led astray or went down the wrong road that somehow they got something out of it whether it's a clue or something that'll help them farther down the line something like a i don't know a ring of this or a ring of that or 
I don't know. I would say that if they don't get anything out of it, then they may feel that the the GM is being a little hard on them, right? On their group. Yeah. Versus and the GM going, well, well, they wanted to go this way, so I'm going to let them. And when they're done with this, we'll go back to the regular adventure. <laughs> I don't know. There's two perspectives, right? Right. I think I personally would not want the players to look at me going, you're a freaking jerk. Exactly. <laughs> and when that happens, I don't feel good. And and like I said, when the players, if the players feel that way, they don't feel good. And the whole point of playing role-playing games is for most for people. For everybody to have fun. For most people is to have fun and have a good time. And I believe people believing that they wasted time is not having fun. So I think that's the long picture of the game. So what games would I use the Red Herrings, right? I think I would use them use them uh, pretty sparingly in uh, in like a... Well, not sparingly, but I use them quite a bit in probably in, in a mystery game if I have a, long, a lot of time. For example, if I'm running a home game, investigation game, like that uh, like that Carnival Row game, which I was thinking was going to be maybe a six-hour game tops at a convention. When we were online, it lasted uh, four, no, three four-hour sessions. So it was a 12-hour game. But, you know, those, those sessions online were, there was a lot of chit-chatter. and So let's let's condense it. It was still like a, even if you guys wasted two hours of chit-chatting and goofing off, it was still a 10-hour game com- compared to a six-hour game that I thought it was going to be. We were not sure where we were going <laughs> most of the time. Well, that was my fault. I think the clues weren't strong enough or didn't have that huge arrow pointing in the right direction. And two, I don't think that there was any red herrings in that game, but there were certain certain things that you guys latched onto that I don't believe was a red herring, but you just latched onto them that to- led you guys astray sometimes. And then it was particularly tough for me to write that big old huge cargo ship the right direction and I get stuck in the Suez Canal <laughs> an allusion to some of the event that happened a while ago so in a mystery game I think it's great in a fantasy game I think little side quests and stuff that maybe help make the world more real even if it's not has nothing to do with the main quest whatever that is whether it's like let's say go kill this defeat this blue dragon that's messing with the the Storm King. If somebody wants you to kill a blue dragon, don't do it. <laughs> or figure out what the blue dragon's up to, right? <laughs> so, and then you're doing with, you know, then you're dealing with uh, a little Peter in uh, in the village of Hamlet, uh, having uh, talking about how his brother gets all hairy and attacks people in the middle of the night. So you have to stop and take care <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah, as as a player, if that happens you're going to feel some sort of accomplishment. You helped little Peter, but does it really help the main quest of dealing with what the blue dragon is up to? No, but it does save the people in that town. <laughs> so there you go. I think that's probably important to save little kids or and villagers from you know being eaten or turn into more werewolves. Yes. I think uh, other games, I don't know, uh, superhero games, red herrings, I don't know. I I don't play a lot of superhero games. I don't think I've played a superhero game in years, uh, 30 years probably, when I first uh, tried Champions. Probably a little longer now. <laughs> uh, more like, I don't want to say 40 years. But, but I, was a, I was a teenager when we tried Champions, and we never really uh, played much after that. I think, uh, like I said, it all depends on the type of game, and it all depends on your your group and what your group uh, is able to uh, are they really good clue finders or really good at understanding 
uh, clues and what they might lead to, or are they a little bit more thick-headed like me going, what what does this mean? Then you're stuck. Uh, I think uh, red herrings are just a slight distraction. I think that's the key to them. If the red herring is taking too much time, it should become like integral part of your adventure and definitely lead to a resolution that helps the whole game end. And that's up to the GM to do. Right. And it's a, it's a lot to put on the GM. So I think if you're going to use them, red herrings as a GM, you have to uh, understand that anything could be a red herring, right? Because players can latch onto anything. But if you put something out and then the players really latch onto it, you have to be able to roll with that with that player's actions those players actions where they really like get really interested in that that side quest thing <laughs> you sounded like a, a hobbit there i know i did <laughs> i did i just was thinking of hobbits and you're right and i, I don't know what about the lord of the rings was there any side quest in that one i think the whole movie was a side quest <laughs> <laughs> no but did they ever get involved in other things other than taking the ring to I they mean, had to rescue Mary and Pippin. Oh, that, that, yeah, that was quite a that's that was a, I don't know if that was a side quest. I guess I don't know what that would be. It was part of the. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. No, I I use I, I like to use that one as a as a the Lord of the Rings as a as an example, but I don't think that has any really little side quests. Maybe you shouldn't have used it as an example then. Yeah, probably not. I think that's good. This is gaming perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.